Welcome to Real You, Real Money, the podcast that will inspire you to love all of who you are and love making big money all at the same time. I'm Ray Dodd, your host and resident money coach, and week in, week out, I'm here to remind you that your feelings and experiences of money have nothing to do with who you are and everything to do with who you've been told you have to be. This podcast is all about powerful conversations that will support you in building a business that reflects who you actually are. This is not a one-size-fits-all style podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates the individual you are and more than that, believes your uniqueness is the key to you making the sort of money you truly want to. Thank you for being here. Let's do this thing. Welcome to another episode of Real You, Real Money. I mentioned in the last solo episode we did, which I think was two podcast episodes ago, a couple of weeks ago, that over the summer there had been a number of topics I was really desperate to talk about. And this, the first one was ethics, which we talked about two weeks ago. This is the second. This is my controversial opinions on mindset and not just a controversial opinion I would also say an about turn I've about turned from my about turn is what I will say so a while ago I should have really looked this up before I did the podcast but like a year ago I think possibly slightly more I recorded an episode a podcast episode all about why I was going to stop using the term mindset I love how I've just gone straight in on this, by the way. No, like I was expecting myself to preamble, but clearly I'm ready to talk about it. <laughs> so yes, I recorded an episode saying that I was no longer going to use the term mindset. Now, in last week's ethics, episode about ethics, I mentioned some of the stuff that had gone on in the coaching industry, like globally, internationally, as well as in the UK specifically. And the way in which it had wobbled me, at least I think I mentioned this, I meant to mention it, it meant it it wobbled me and it wobbled a lot of people that I spoke to. It comes up less, it's come up less this year. It happened in 2020, a lot of this. There was a big, big thing that happened, if in case you don't know, and I won't go into the details of it because I don't think that's helpful. But then there was also a fallout from that thing, which, which looked like lots of people being dragged is how I'm going to talk about it, essentially, like presumptions that because people use certain words or whatever, or just because people decided they didn't like that person, those people were doing things that were questionable, fraudulent even was brought into it. And it was quite a strange time to be a coach. I have to say it was a really strange time to be a coach and a really difficult time for those people whose names were actually dragged into stuff. Now, we all know that I think this, if you've listened to the podcast before, you'll know I think this, that there's certainly many things in the coaching industry, as there are in all industries, that's really important to say, that need addressing. But this idea that, you know, everybody's doing all coaches are doing terrible things. And even, and again, go listen to that episode rather than me talk about it here again. Even the idea that, you know, these coaches that maybe do make mistakes are always trying to defraud people is not true. That's not what's happening. Most people are not going for easy money. Most people are trying their best and making mistakes at times. And we need to make more space for that. So anyway, I don't need to talk about that again. (laughs) But one of the things, because this is a bit of a follow on, one of the things that happened 
from that for me and for many people. And again, I spoke about this in the last episode in much more depth was this feeling of wanting to prove, wanting to position yourself as one of the good guys. And when I made that podcast, I wasn't doing that intentionally with that in mind. But I think what had happened is I'd read a few things and I'd heard a few things and I was like, Think this is a problem. I shouldn't be using this term. It's reductive. It doesn't really speak to the issue. By the way, much of that's still true, but I'm going to bring us around to that in a bit. And so I was talking about how I wasn't going to use that term anymore. Now, there's a couple of problems with that. One, lovely Lauren Elizabeth, who was on the podcast before I did that episode, quite a while ago now, she did an episode about pleasure. It's brilliant. You should listen to it. She actually posted only a few weeks after I released that episode, like a kind of post that was like in defense of mindset. And I read her post and went, yep, I agree with all of that. Interesting. Interesting. And it was, that was the beginning of me going, Ray, have you swung too hard the other way here? Have you, in your efforts to keep yourself safe, have you, in your efforts to do the right thing, have you gone too far the other way? And and sat here now recording this, I would say yes, I had. And so Lauren's thing was in my head and I was like, you know what? And I think I did say this in the episode that we do still need mindset, but I think the episode probably swung too far into being anti it. I did think mindset mattered, but then I also listened. One of my favorite things to do. I am definitely a talker and somewhat of an interrupter and have to catch myself on that. But I also think we find out so much about so much from listening to the experiences of people whose lives are not the same as ours. So if you're a coach, particularly, and we learn this, right? We, we learn this in training. We learn this on the job. We need to work on our listening skills. But you will learn so much just from listening to what your clients talk about and particularly listening when their life experiences, when the identities that have been given to them by society or um, they have been born into or however it looks for them, when people with identities that do not match your own, you will learn so much. And I just was listening to what my friends who are not born into the same bodies as me we're experiencing and my clients as well and listening to the amount of mindset work they have to do to show up every day the amount of mindset work that it takes to truly believe that what I might be born into knowing is possible for me because it so is and it's so clear they have to do mindset work to believe that's possible for them and that mindset work really is incredibly important now should that mindset work be the whole thing no no we don't stop there we don't stop at mindset we go all the way to parliament or whatever your government government I was going to say governmentary or something like but whatever your government's place looks like wherever they make the legislation whether they make the the laws we go to what Kelly Deals calls the culture making spaces. And we go to these, the conditioning we've got so that we can really look at this. But the facts are that mindset is part of that because 
conditioning, societal oppressive systems do not just exist outside. They exist inside us as well. One of the most common things that happens in Plenty as we move into the deconditioning part of the course is that people go, oh, shit, I thought I was a feminist. Like, I can't believe, I cannot believe I hold these two views. I can't believe I can hold that mothers, example that comes up quite a bit, mothers can't make a certain amount of money. So if someone's clients are mostly mothers, there can be a feeling of like, but they can't afford to work with me. And yet they are your, I would also say, if you really don't believe your ideal clients can work with you, they're not your ideal clients. Often there's mindset work to be done there, <laughs> belief work to be done there, because they there will be ones that can. But yeah, how can I believe that these very people that I have so much belief in, that I am one of them, that I think so much is possible for them, and yet I also have the belief that they can't afford me. And let me take a little sidestep there, because I think that's a really, this is totally not on the topic. Well, maybe it is a little bit. How do you think that translates into your marketing and just your general energy when you're selling to people, by the way? The very people you believe have so much potential you actually don't believe on some level can afford to work with you, which means you believe on some level that they are not capable of making the money to work with you. Now, I know a lot of you are going to be like, whoa, 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 I don't believe that. But part of you does. Part of you. There's also a big part of you that doesn't. But what we want to work on, and this is why mindset is so important, is clearing out that bit that will be coming through in how you price, in how you show up, in how you market, that actually does believe that not only can they not afford it now, it's not possible for them. They're not capable of it. Maybe you believe they're not capable of it without your help. So let's part that for now, but just have a think about that very thing. So yes, we can have this cognitive dissonance, which is just believing two things at once. We can absolutely have that. And it's a very interesting place to observe from, noticing where we were believing and and often one will be subconscious, but we know how much power your subconscious has in terms of how it runs the actual show of what you're doing. And so we have this internalized, and all that is, by the way, like some absolutely well-read, justice-aware feminist person going, who believes in equality, who who understands about equity, who gets it, but also holds internalized, misogynistic, patriarchal beliefs. Same will be true when it comes to fat phobia, ableism, racism, homophobia, all, everything, (laughs) we can, even when it's our own identity, we can experience it internally. And that's why mindset really, really matters. Because these systems do, like I said, they do not just exist in the outside world, they exist in our internal world too. And it's why It's actually one of the reasons I have a problem with mindset. And that does go back to that episode I shared a long time ago is that often mindset stops at, it doesn't even go into the internalized oppression. It just makes it a problem with the person. 
It just says, you don't know what you're doing. Why can't you just stop thinking that? Like somebody shared something that was basically like, the message of it was just stop worrying. And I nearly commented, and I don't get involved in that sort of stuff because it's not good for my mental health. I used to get involved in all sorts of like online arguments and stuff, and it's just not fun. But I nearly put, oh my God, seriously, I just need to stop it. I cannot believe I didn't think of that. Oh, that degree was a waste. Because <laughs> it's just like, if it was just as simple as stop, we would do that. We would do that. And in some ways, it's as simple as making a choice to stop. But that choice is often layered and we have to recognize where we're not making a choice to think the thing. There's no way. You know, we hear now, and this has been going on forever. I would hope it's better. I don't know if it's better from when I was younger. When I think about really hating on my body from such a young age, like nine, ten, and some kids it's younger. When I think about really hating on my body, did I make a choice to stop liking my, to stop not even liking my body, to stop being my body from being like, just a tool, just a part of me, just how I walked and how I played and how I danced and how I dressed up. Did I make a choice for that to become something else? No. Did my surroundings make that choice for me? Did my input make that choice for me? Yes. Do I then need to make a choice to change how I feel about that? Yes. I'm very fond of saying and have been for a long time, that we could remove all the societal, societally oppressive systems, all of the stuff that says, all that messaging that says only certain people can do this, you have to be a certain way for this to happen, you're allowed this, you're not allowed this, this space is for you, this space is not for you. All of that stuff, all those pressures, all of those stereotypes, all that stuff, we could remove it all, like if we could, if we could remove it all tomorrow. Internally, you would still be experiencing it internally you would still have the mindset work to do and the nervous system work and somatic work and all of those different things you would still have that work to do because it's it's the example I might have even used this very recently I feel like I did in a podcast really recently about the fleas and how high they jump it's the same thing it doesn't just disappear in a moment it exists in this now what would be different in that scenario, in that utopia that I have just described, is you would you would deal with it. Because when you're first dealing with mindset stuff, we call it in plenty, we call it like that that new belief or that new belief you're con- you're cultivating has like Bambi legs. Like it's new, it's a baby, it needs protecting and nourishing and nurturing. And so the difference if we got rid of all the societal bullshit would be that that belief, that Bambi, like shaky legged belief would go out into the world and it would be nurtured by the world, not just by you and the people that you choose around you who are supportive. It's why I believe so thoroughly in group work for money work. I so thoroughly believe in it. It's part of the equation is that you have a group of people who absolutely have your back, 
and who reflect back to you not only what you can do, but what they can do and how possible that is for you too. It's utterly transformative. It's incredibly important. It is not a nice to have. It is not a nice to have because the reality is that the utopia I painted, while I really, really hope it exists one day, I don't think I'll be alive to see it. And yet when we are doing our money work, that's why it has to be on repeat because we actually go into the world and the world reflects what our insides are saying to us. The world reflects what we are scared is true, not what we hope is true. It's not correct, by the way. I say this all the time when I talk about deluding ourselves, is that as you do the mindset work so frequently, it feels like you're deluding yourself, right? Talks about this at length. But I do not believe that we actually know what people like us, I'm kind of doing bunny ears because it's it's all such a kind of construct anyway. Anyway, we don't know what we're capable of. We still don't know. It's super important to have examples and people who walk that path before you and people to look up to and people to mentor you and guide the way. And I don't think we know what many, many people are capable of. And I think about when I say that, I think about something like, you know, people with chronic illnesses, people with disabilities. The world is so set up against you know, in terms of literally in terms of facilities, but also in terms of the working week. I saw this brilliant. I'd have to try and remember what his name is, but he's a, he's an ADHD content creator and he makes ADHD content. And one of the things he said in one of his reels was like, he was basically doing this thing that was like, imagine if the world was created for people with ADHD. And this guy is like really tired and blah, 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 blah. And so his boss just tells him, I'm not going to tell the full story because we'll be here forever. But he's like, tells him to go home. And then he goes, but when you come back, just make sure you do it in office hours. And they both laugh and like, they're like, what's office hours? That makes no sense. Like working our own rhythms around the office. (laughs) How ridiculous. And yet, like, that's what it looks like. It's not the humans that set the time. It's the office, the, which is not a sentient being (laughs) with energy levels or anything like that it's like work hours set the hours not the human beings who actually experience those hours like we've got so much the wrong way around when it comes to people's energy when it comes to their ability to show up and it makes it that the human being who should be the center of the experience is the one that believes they're wrong And so I don't think we know what many people are capable of. We, because society tells us that that one aspect of them makes it impossible for them. I'm sorry, you're fat, you can't. I'm sorry, you're black, you can't. I'm sorry, you're a woman. I'm sorry, you're a wheelchair user, you can't. It's absolute nonsense and reality all at once and so what I came to realize when it comes to mindset is that I had been privileged in my view of it accidentally privileged in my view of it as we so often are where I wasn't seeing the ways that many people did not have a choice but to use mindset work and were having to use it 
just to show up. And much more than that, if I'm really honest with you, I noticed a real change in my business. But when I decided that that stuff, and I think I've probably talked about this before, but when I decided that that stuff wasn't, it felt like it wasn't the most inclusive way to do things. And this was something that got very confused for me for a while there. It was like, these tools I know work, but are they okay? Was the question. And I think we just have to, as always, have a much more nuanced approach to how we look at this work. Is mindset the answer to everything? No. But it is a tool that we have. We know so much. We've got an excellent episode coming up with Freya Powell about neuroplasticity and your reticular activating system, which is the part of your brain that really is the kind of, what's the word? It's confirmation bias, really. But it, it's it's like a magnet to what you already believe. It's why we gather information about what we already believe. And it's why making a choice to change how you view the world is so incredibly powerful. One of the bits that we talk, to work on in plenty is moving people from feeling like a victim of money to a creator of money. And that language can be sticky and difficult sometimes. But also so many of us have grown up with this feeling of powerlessness around money and a lack of agency when actually we are the ones that create money. And it's one of my favorite things to teach people and empower them to really understand what it means to be. It's why I use the word making money all the time. I could use the word creating money. I rarely use the word earning money because we are creators of money. We are creators of ideas and ideas make money. We are creators of communities and communities create money. Money is not this thing that we've been conditioned to believe it is. We've been conditioned to believe it's out of our reach and it isn't. It just isn't. We've been conditioned to believe that there is not enough of it, that it's in scarce supply and it isn't. And we see evidence of that in wealthy people all day, every day. But we've also been conditioned to believe that it's not for us. And it is for us, for you. Money is for you. And all I'm doing here is helping you work on your mindset. That's what's happening here. I, we are, as you listen to me, it's deconditioning your brain and it's reminding you of what is true. That's why it feels so damn good for so many of you <laughs> to hear it. It's like, <gasps> could that be true? Even if you're in that, like, could it be true? Ooh. But imagine it's true. How good does it feel? The truth often does feel good, even when it's sticky, because it feels freeing. But I absolutely believe that feminism is not enough to fix, heal, change probably a better word, the experiences many of us feel on its own. I don't believe that voting in governments will be enough. I do think they are fundamentally important parts of it. 
But I also know that we are going to have to address our beliefs. And you know how like we talk a bit about like our space and like we people talk about activism and all of that stuff. This to me is my activism. This feels like this is what I'm meant to do. This is my part in all of it is to show up and do this bit, to talk about deconditioning, to, to help you recognize the games and the knots your brain is tying itself in, in order to legitimize your self-doubt, in order to say, no, 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 I am right. Because my favorite thing is for someone to fling a mindset thing at me and I can always, always find a way, like not even fun, like I'm not even having to search hard. It like screams out to me, it cries out to me, that is because of this conditioning. I can always find it. And so I don't have space for mindset that acts like it it's the fault of the person experiencing the doubts or the fears or whatever it is, or the, the freeze response, whatever it is. I don't have space for that. That kind of mindset I have put in the bin. I don't know if I ever even entertained that kind of mindset chat. However, I also know a lot of the tools we use to change our beliefs when they are walking alongside an understanding of society are incredibly, incredibly powerful. And it is so important to me that they are taught more. Now, really important to say as well, I do not believe that strategy doesn't matter. It does. It absolutely matters. Of course it does. But the difference in, so I would say I've really brought mindset back into my work in a significant way over the last year, I think. And the clarity I have now on where my business is going is so much, well, clearer, so much better, just there. Because I think, and this is one of my concerns with the ethics stuff that I actually didn't go into in much detail. We can get so bogged down with what we shouldn't be doing that we don't make a plan for what we can do, are going to do, will do. Because we're so in a space of trying to avoid doing the wrong thing. And that's one of the many reasons that just trying to do the right thing, whether it's ethically, whether it's the thing that's meant to make you money, that you're being told is the way, the trendy way, or just the next way, or just somebody you've fallen in with into, on your Instagram, who's saying, this is the right thing you do. Like when we get into that space, we make less money because it's not about that. There's loads of right ways to make money. There's There's... I was going to say there's loads of wrong ways. Like there's definitely things like we need to be discerning about, but there's also often a way to do all the things in a way that honors your fellow humans. That's really what you want to be doing. Are you trusting people? Are you get, Are you ensuring you're not taking away agency? Are you allowing people to have choices? Those are the things we really want to look at. Are you, you know, because the rest of it is so subjective. So mindset work is not, <laughs> it is not a problematic tool. It is not. And in fact, it's an incredibly important, I wouldn't even say it's optional for the majority of people. My controversial 
opinion, if I was to state it, is that mindset matters more for people that don't fit into that very narrow white male kind of middle class, all of that stuff, that space. It matters more because the internalized isms are more present for people in outside of that space. And so, no, it doesn't just look like thinking your thoughts are wrong and choosing another thought instantly. It looks like learning how to really observe the world around you and move through it as yourself and not making that a problem. And it's it's something that takes time. Parts of it don't. Parts of it are quick. And that's beautiful. That's, one, you know, absolutely beautiful. As you move further into it, it's a longer term process. But it's not an optional one. I see people treating it like it's optional. I see people seeing it like a nice to have while they squirm around, feeling all sorts of doubts and things as if that's just how it's meant to be. You don't have to be navigating those levels of doubt and imposter syndrome and all of those things. That's not how it has to be. It is not a given that that is your experience of running a business. So if that's you, you're going to want to sign up to five days of plenty, which is happening as of Monday. Let me double check the date. Yeah, Monday, the 2nd of October, I'm going to be doing five days in a Facebook group and on Instagram lives where you can check out what I'm saying all about this stuff, all about how we approach our brains around money so that we can have a beautifully free, exciting, joyful relationship with money, one that doesn't feel so heavy and exhausting and one that doesn't inform so much of how we run our business. So many people are running their businesses actually with money at the forefront. And money really, you want it to be almost like a symptom of how things are going. That's all money really is anyway. But often it's driving what courses people are selling, what products people are selling, how they're doing all of that. It's all about the money because they need to bring in more money, even though they would say, I'm not someone that's particularly driven by money. And then let's stop running our businesses that way. And the way we do that is by really putting money in its rightful place. So it's not bigger or smaller than the role it was created to play. So if you are ready to shift that money story, if you are ready to feel joyful, calm around money, join me for five days of plenty, my free money program which like I said, kicks off on the 2nd of October. And thank you for being here for this episode. I'd love to know your thoughts. Pop me a DM or comment on my Instagram or even write me an email. And I would love to hear that. I'll see you all soon.